This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers the fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Get your first two meals for free at BlueApron.com slash BadChristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Welcome, my friends, to the Bad Christian Podcast. This is Matt. Uh, we are back, back from vacation. We're on our 200th episode. So we didn't make anything special. We don't have some retrospective or rebroadcast. But I will take a second to reflect and say, whoa, wow. Like I didn't, uh, I know I never thought ahead to, be, to two years ahead of doing this and now i enjoy doing this i can say i love doing this podcast it's still very very much fun and i cannot believe we could uh, have as many of you consume as many hours of us talking and doing this that that we have and so i mean it sincerely that i take it as a very much a compliment that we still have a listenership that we still have sponsors uh that we have people in the bc club it really is great and i guess i'm gonna go one farther and say i think this podcast is good. I think we've improved in some of our skills in some ways. I think we do have stuff to say, and I do think there's a, a big impact in, in the world just from people making some elbow room, clearing out some space, uh, pushing the boundaries just so other people can be comfortable. That's the most reports that I hear from you guys is that because of uh, us being willing to put ourselves out there and do some dumb stuff, you feel a little less dumb at your community groups and at your churches and in your homes and in your groups of friends. So thank you for the support and compliments. Uh, also, thank you for keeping Emory's career propped up for more years here. We're doing shows in Atlanta and Nashville, and that's on June 29th and 30th. You can go to emoryacoustic.com. It's over half sold out. We expect it to go the rest of the way. It's Emory Acoustic, me, Toby, and Devin. We're going to be hanging out, meet everybody. It's like a private party. We All the tickets will be sold. We'll show up to the place, let you know where it is. We'll hang out, play our songs, do a lot of talking. Uh, usually they'll have BYOB there. It's a lot of fun. It's a very, very special Emory event that we're trying to take everywhere. But for this time, Atlanta and Nashville, June 29th and 30th. Go to emoryacoustic.com and we will see you there. All right, episode. Let's hit it. Number 200. Um, Matt, Joey, and I went to a funeral, and I want to say this carefully. Is this racist if I say? I never start a statement that way. <laughs> just well, start. Just well, I want to be okay. Our good friend Robbie, his grandmother passed away, right? And so we went to the funeral, and I want to say it was a predominantly black church. I'm just, how, what, you know what I mean? Like it was everybody there was black, but Joey and I, and our children's director and one elder. So right, everybody right. from our church, right? So it. It was different. Like if it, it was funny. I was looking at all the rows of the church, and I was like, if you could turn this up to a graph, it would look so funny. Like all the graph lines would be. It would be an infographic, right? It would be it really would funny. Like, yeah, and then there's yeah. the tiny, <laughs> the would, tiny percentage of white, you know, like, or whatever yeah. it would be. But anyway, I, 
It was by far, by far, the greatest funeral I've ever been to in my life. Like, it was just amazing. Like, everybody was singing and clapping and remembering Robbie's grandma. And I thought it was just not only, uh, I thought that they really did a good job of just um, honoring her and saying how amazing she was and how much she meant to them. But also, people were there to show out. Like, it was just, it was which I mean, to me means dancing and it, singing. it felt like people had and they were allowed to have ownership in that service. So right. it wasn't like this one person that was, I'm going to say my thing now and we're right. going to sing. <laughs> I yeah. didn't ask you if we we're going to sing. We are going to sing because I'm standing right here and I'm going to lead you in a song. Right. You can't not sing. Exactly. <laughs> and I just thought that was so awesome. It made me think about white culture and how different all the funerals I've been to with it were predominantly white. And how I've never been to one that you would describe as fun. Right. So I've been to tons of weddings. White wedding. Need to write funeral. The song. funeral. Sorry, what am I saying? Nice day for a white funeral. I have been to tons of weddings. Yeah, I've been I've, I've been to the weddings too. And they just aren't as fun because I wonder I was just sitting there thinking, is this like cultural? Like it's okay to just like sing and be uh excited. And dance and laugh and cut up and all stuff. Like, I mean, my family does that too. That's not a, a race issue. But I just felt like if I would have really joined in, I, w- I, I was concerned. Like, would I b- appear to be making fun? You know what I mean? Like, like if I really you would have looked clapping, goofy enough. Like I was singing and getting into it, and I was like, I got to tone it down a little bit because I'm worried that these people would think, oh, he's just making fun or something because he doesn't. He's yeah. not around this. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I toned it down. And th- so then I had a look. So what I realized I was like, oh, I had a little bit of like white anxiety or something oh, yeah, like that. Do. A little like bit. That. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be free. I want to just be singing. And, and, and it's just about this moment right here. Like, that's what I thought felt really awesome about it. It was about this moment. People were going to say nice stuff. And like they, they would say something nice and they'd just break off into song. Like whoever, yeah. whoever was speaking would just break off into song. And I was like, this is so wonderful. It felt <laughs> so free, fun. And everybody, and, I mean, and memorable, like it, and honoring, like it wasn't like rude or silly, or they didn't take, they weren't like distracting away from her. It was all about her life. Like they would, they were singing. The people that were getting up and speaking about uh, about the the lady that that passed away were just honoring her, and they were singing for her and for God yeah. and how what God has done. And I was just like, man, this is so free. And I just, I really did realize, like, man, our culture and our upbringing nurture really does affect you like yeah. a ton. You know what I mean? Like. It, yeah, like, just the culture you're in. Like my dad and mom. You are, yeah, yeah, my mom is kind of, you know, buoyant and sings and all that stuff, but nothing like that. And my dad's completely reserved. And so, and I was just thinking, oh, well, Joey, your parents are super reserved. And, and Matt, would your parents ever cut loose and start, like, if they went to a funeral, would they get up there, say some, say some loose, awesome, man. honoring things, at the same time be super funny, and also just start singing and, like, dancing down no. the center aisle. Of course Dancing not. down the center aisle. I was like, this is just awesome. Like, it doesn't. There isn't any, there's not like an uncomfortable bone in anybody's body here. And I just thought it was so cool. And at the same time, I thought, am I, am I being racist by thinking this is, this culture is awesome that would do this? Or these people would do <laughs> like, this? Like a, almost like a reverse racism. Like right. by saying, I, I've always struggled with the fact that I, I really think of all races, I enjoy black people more. I mean, just black comedy. Like black family reunions is just there's something about I know, it. I think it, they know how to that, do family. I mean, that's the same thing saying black people are really fast. 
Like, I mean, isn't that just like, I mean, that's a compliment, I, I, I but does it make uh, that? I don't think so. I mean, because think about it. But are you only enjoying it because you're white or something? You know what I mean? Like, is that? Yeah, yeah there's, but there's still, styles yeah, of music. Can be. It's just a preference. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, there are some similarities that I seem to process as being contingent or, or being related to a certain demographic or a certain race, even if my mind is the only thing processing. I'm attracted to this race because of it. So it doesn't even need to be accurate processing. But if that, like, for example, I mean, what what's the difference in saying you like a certain food better than another food? What if Toby Morrell likes hanging out with black people more than white people? What's so racist about that? That's uh, pretty racist if I said I, I like hanging out with white people more than black people. I'm white, and I like hanging out with white people. If I said right. that, you would go, that's it's, racist. People it's would say still, it's racist. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but Joey, it's the same thing as this individual, though. What, what What do you mean? What's black people? All black, I mean, uh, white people. Right. You know, you have to, they're individuals. Some of them are funny. Well, that's some what I'm saying. Not. Can you acknowledge acknowledge so, difference in your, your a, bringing, the way you were brought up and your culture and all that stuff, and it not be about the color of your skin? That's I just think, I, want, I, I think we're somewhat too politically correct. They're, there it's okay to be like no when i'm in the south people act blah 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 blah. when i'm in public schools man right they, those third graders here's how they act i mean it's just observations and they're either right or wrong as long as you don't link to it a certain disdain for a group of people i don't just i just don't see what's wrong with using your observation skills wrong or right i don't see how that's well racist. i mean yeah but it's what i'm saying it's still it is a form of i mean things that we do normally in regular life are discriminate and stereotype that's is very much how we get through life that's what you do with microwaves and traffic and roads and all the stuff that bombards you every day when you make judgments you discriminate these are good ways to go and not you don't have concrete data it's nothing like that but your your body your mind is made to be a discriminatory thing that operates off stereotypes now we just have decided uh and rightly so oh we it it wrongs people when we do that when we apply that to them especially by the race right so we're pretty aware to not we're trying to become aware i would say as a right. culture and society of not doing it that way but that, that's what i'm wondering like okay so one guy got up to speak and he was so funny like his delivery and he well his point was whenever uh he had called uh this lady <laughs> several times and she didn't answer and then when he saw her at church he said hey i tried to call you she, and she said what time did you call me and he said it was on my lunch break at 12 you don't call me at 12 that's when i'm talking to g and the way he said and i went oh my gosh this reminds me i thought well, this, the, this, what made I it thought, funny is he was just like, and I stood there. I was like, oh, what did I do? He said, I'm right. just trying to call and check on you. <laughs> right. So I thought, man, this guy reminds me. It's so funny. This guy reminds me of Bernie Mac. Mm -hmm. I didn't think he reminded right. me of Louis C.K. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like I, that. And I was like, well, what am I? I don't want. I don't want to offend anybody because I just loved it. I promise you, this is the best funeral I've ever been to in my life. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Everything about it was just wonderful because of the freedom. The worship, the singing, the praises, everything about yeah. it was awesome. I mean, it was so wonderful. And at the same time, I, I just, I felt like maybe I had some white guilt or something. Like, should I, can yeah. I, can I acknowledge that this that part of this is because these people might be are are black? Does that make me racist? I, 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 I don't I mean, think so. I, I just, hope not. I, I, no, and most people don't think so, but it, it definitely smells of white guilt right. that to assess it and ask is and it racist. And I don't have white guilt. I don't have white guilt, but, but I just certainly I just, people that are confident. I guess I just you know. want to get to a place where I can say stuff and and it or and it be 
Okay. You can't because people you. are too hypersensitive. Right. But what right. I'm going to say is it's almost more, I would almost argue by being confident and being able to say something right. like that, you would be the but least. But the thing is, I just be, enjoyed you know. it for the moment. What I don't want to, I don't want people to hear me saying, and I went to a black church and the worship was right. wonderful. Well, it could though. But if you, yeah. You, but that, that feels like something that. silly. Like I'm, I went to this place and it was like a theme park. That's not what I'm saying. What I went to was, I just thought the family the people were just so wonderful. Like it was really fun. Yeah, they just and people I think were showing out. But you, people but so you were could just singing say you and found doing stuff a, just to have fun. Funeral. I thought it was awesome that you liked. You found a church and a funeral that you liked. Right. But, Not this is what. But I do want to like. I kind of want to like make that like a part of it. Like the the, the yeah. culture and the people. I want to like make that. I I want to say that was part of it that made it awesome. You know what I mean? But, but I'll, uh, I'll say this, definitely. though, just, just to encourage you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. I have heard black people that are, <laughs> I'm going to sound so white, yes, that, you, that, you that are. are my friends. But I, actually, Wait, people. you have black people that are your friends. Oh, my gosh. No, but, but people that I'm actually friends with, I've heard them say, yes, that's typical of a black church. Or, yes, that makes sense. That's how us black people are. People say that stuff. That's how I make yeah, fun but, of white people. Yeah, but think about this. How often do you say white church? You say Baptist. Right. You know, you say Methodist. You don't ever go, oh, that's a white yeah, church, you know. man. Yeah, I went to I a think, white church this way. You don't say that. That's but just, black just people little, do. Yeah, but that doesn't mean any, that we should, too. I, I, or maybe we should. That's what I'm saying. I'm just questioning. I don't think. I, I, I just long for a day where we could. The people there would not have cared, and I think they appreciated that we were there. Right. I, that we would come and we would support our friends who lost their grandma and stuff. I, that, that, I understand that. And those people would not be offended. Everybody was so nice to me and th- thanked me for coming. And I was like, oh, man, you don't have to thank me at all. I, I thought it was a blessing for me, literally. I literally thought it was a blessing for me. I, I, <laughs> every single person that got up, it got better we and better it. and better. Like, it really you don't did. have to feel bad. No, I don't. But I mean, I went to a funeral and I sang. And I played an acoustic guitar and just, you know, sang like I do. And it, and it, people loved it, but it wasn't anything like that. I mean, it was just amazing. Somebody would talk and the organ would play in behind them. And I was just like, whoa, this is awesome. I, I'd <laughs> love to be that that free in our church right. services and all that stuff for sure. So, anyway, I just thought I would drop that in there. Cool. Racist asshole. I'm not a racist. I totally, you can tell I have your back with this. I just, hey, I long, thank you. I long for the day when everybody can just chill the heck out when it comes to racism yeah Uh, but i but here's the thing is that is easy for me to say right because i'm a white male the the other the way people would not like that statement is all is that you have the option right to to be that way feel that way but like everybody just chill and they would say with it the way it is to them right but matt but but i do think as as i'm processing this out loud i do think there Mm -hmm. is a time to say hey i wish with what toby just said Let's just all chill out. It's no big sure. deal that Toby enjoyed a black church, and he can even say that. I enjoyed right. service at a black church. Now, for me to be like, can we just chill out? Black people don't have it any harder than anybody. Yeah, that's stupid, ignorant, and very uninformed, uneducated, and it's easy for me to say. But the more shallow, cultural, hey, I en- I enjoy uh, certain get-togethers with black people i, I just sure. don't see the big it'd deal. be nice if all of our words could be judged on their intent right. you know what i mean that would cut through a lot of things on both sides you know you just don't understand each other well with the words and the way you're trying to form them and say them and the idea that toby had that he wanted to express but there's a bunch of landmines in there but he's i hear him saying and I hear everybody saying i'm just trying to express to you a way i felt that i think is real and true right. and then if you get 
mixed up in the words or words you use or the phrases or your anxieties about it, you could it gets all weird, you know. Yep. All right. Well, Toby, who's our guest today? Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Who is our guest today, Joey? Uh I actually don't know, Matt. Who's our guest today? Our guest today is that porno boy that Toby talks to. Porno boy. <laughs> our guest today is Keith, and uh, he has an unreal story. Like, he used to have, like, the biggest porn store business on the West Coast. And uh, and now he owns it, but he's a Christian. Got saved. Yeah, now he does, <laughs> he does my idea of Christian porn, which I still believe in. I got to get some investors in in this. Of Christian doing, porn? Yeah. You do porn with your wife and just y'all two watch it. I think that could be huge. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to you invest? Can I talk <laughs> to you a little bit about it later? Anyway, let's bring on Keith. He has a crazy story. Uh, and it's going to be awesome. I tell you what, Toby, can you do this interview oh, by yourself? Would y'all mind and stepping can out? go on vacation? Yeah. Would y'all mind stepping yeah, out? Hey, I'm going on vacation. Myself? See you guys. Hey, come on, kids. Get in the van. Can y'all come back after the interview? Oh, shit. It's Toby's brother, Mike. He's running towards no. us. Guys, get in the car. <laughs> I'm going to do this by myself. Let's do it. All right, Joey, you know that we are moving, and my wife, she packs things like uh, a month in advance. Like guns? Well, yes. I didn't want to say that, but yes. But uh, she also has packed a lot of our kitchen utensils and bowls and plates and even some pots and pans and stuff like that. She just left out a little bit. But I want to tell you how awesome it is having Blue Apron uh, it's delivered right to our door. Everything's explained in all these awesome uh, uh, recipe cards. It, it's so cool. And we are able, with our limited resources of cooking stuff, able to cook amazing meals right now while we're in transition moving. It has been awesome. I just love it. And what's really cool, all of these meals, honestly, only take about 40 minutes to make or less. Like It's not like this big ordeal where you go, oh, no, I'm going to cook a gourmet meal and it's going to be seven hours. That is what I've always thought and what I've tried to do in the past. Now, literally, I can make meals in 40 minutes or less. It's insane. Is it true that you kind of pick your meals as far as like dietary restrictions and stuff like that? Totally. Totally. Um, I mean, it, it really applies for everything. Um, as you know, I do keto stuff and whatever. So like one of the last meals we ate was the Peruvian roasted chicken. Uh, it comes with potatoes and creamy jalapeno cilantro sauce, but, uh, I can eat what I want and not what I want. So this time, this meal, even though I love their vegetables and potatoes, I laid off the potatoes and had just the roasted chicken. And then there's just a bunch of other stuff that goes along with it. So it's really awesome. I can do chicken meatloaf. There's all kinds of meals that you can eat. I can list them forever. In fact, uh, why don't you tell them what the meal that our listeners could have this week if they order blue apron? Oh, man, I'm going to try to do it without my stomach growling because it sounds so good. But spicy misu, miso, glazed wings with zucchini and black rice salad. I love black rice. Oh, my gosh, that sounds so good. Shrimp maizeman with asparagus with black garlic. Pan-seared chicken with smashed Yukon potatoes and creamed peas. It's totally awesome. That's what I'm saying. Any diet you want. If you're on keto, get the glazed wings with zucchini. Awesome. If you are eating carbs, you want rice, you want, I'm telling you, their vegetables are amazing. And no matter what, you are going to be able to cook these awesome meals. That is what is so great. And when, it's without all the stupid ingredients and artificial crap, too. So what we are offering you guys is, is uh, you can get your first two meals for free at blueapron.com slash badchristian. Guys, two meals for free. You should just do this, try it, and... You're not risking anything, but I guess the only thing you're risking is you're going to like this so much you're going to want to join. Blueapron.com forward slash bad Christian. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. 
All right, guys, I also want to remind you, Audio Feed Festival is coming up, so get your tickets now. It's July 1st through July 3rd, and there's even a Bad Christian Day, and you can get your tickets at badchristianday.com. Go there. You're going to love it. There are so many amazing bands. I'm just telling you. Also, we're going to be there, so you're going to get to meet us, hang out. Uh, maybe we'll yell at you and scream at you and tell, tell you to leave us alone, or maybe we'll stand near you. I don't know. We might even talk. We're looking forward to connecting, though. Thank you, Joey, for the connection comment. That is going to sell more tickets than anyone ever could. So, Audio Feed Festival. Get your tickets right now. Go to badchristianday.com. Also, Emory Acoustic coming to Atlanta, coming to Nashville. Guys, you got to get your tickets now because those are going super, super fast. That's Atlanta, June 29th, and Nashville, June 30th. It's emoryacoustic.com. Check it out. We are looking for hosts and venues as well. We might have some, but yours might be better. Hit us up and let us know. Thank you so much. All right, guys. I loved this interview, and Keith is just seriously one of the coolest people I've met. He uh, was totally in the world of pornography. He has film credits for like over 100 films. One of them I found on IMDb was called like uh, Her First Older Woman part two and i think it's like 10 of them has been totally redeemed does not have guilt or shame about his past and kind of is like just free to talk about whatever because he has his identity in christ it's so cool so uh, we're going to get here to it and uh, yeah it is cool of the, of the church you know the right hand deacon or or whatever what have you yeah and um so it was really a shocker to me because i moved in from a home where Everything wasn't really a big deal. It was just kind of like live like a good to be a good person to moving into like a bunch of rules that right. that were that were rules of you know that that you had to be this away in a, in order to get to heaven is how right. I felt you know being tw- you know eleven ten ten eleven twelve years old it was uh was like wow okay so now i can't go to the movies i can't swim with the opposite sex i can't wear jewelry i can't have friends that live across the street unless they go to my church uh, you know i can't celebrate uh halloween anymore i can't um you know there was a lot of i can't yeah, right you yeah know? I, I felt the same way by the time i got to high school my every sermon i ever heard was hellfire and brimstone i thought that's what i was going <laughs> so by the time oh, I, yeah. when i got to high school i was like well i guess i'm going there no matter what so i might as well at least enjoy my life here yeah <laughs> there's no chance of getting out of hell it sounded like well yeah, well when i got to high school there i w- i felt socially unaccepted and and i didn't really have any friends and i my grades slipped and i was making f's and i was making u's and and i i, I just felt like i didn't belong and i didn't know how to fit in with any anyone yeah, I, I I can relate to that. Unbelievable. I, I was the guy that was so scared to do anything, and I, I was so repressed that eventually, when I finally let loose, I was like, "Well, just forget it." And then I did I did everything, you know. That, that then I just started partying hard, trying every you know the drugs that I was comfortable with at least, and uh, doing all that stuff. But so so this was in Tennessee, and you just what kind of decided I got to get out of here and ended up in California. Well, it, uh, yeah, you know. It was a long, long story short was I lived with that family for just a little bit. And then I, I, uh, for a couple of years and think, you know, um, I, I got pulled out of the home after, after my grades had slipped. And, and, and then I, uh, you know, um, I, I went to school and I couldn't sit down and I got a really good whooping for it. And, uh, so they, the department of children's services pulled me out of the home, which I was trying to get out anyway. 
And so, so I was able to, uh, uh, move in with my mom's mother. And, uh, and then I started going to a private school. I actually won a, a preaching contest there. Uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I decided it was, it was a, uh, it was, it was Bethel Baptist, uh, private school. And, and I decided I would try out for the Southern California preaching contest because I wasn't any good at anything else. So I thought, yeah, well, I'll give this a shot. And something really amazing happened. I won first place for Southern Baptist uh, uh, Preaching Association. But wow. there's there's just one thing I never, ever told too many other people that there were only three people that tried out. So, uh, so now what did you, how did you, like, what, how did you, I mean, obviously did, did at the time, did you care about the Lord or did you, how did you prepare that? Well, that you know, I, 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 I might even heard someone else speak, you know, yeah. do it. And maybe I, maybe there was a little bit of plagiarism. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was called whom God uses. And, uh, yeah. I remember it. And I remember my grandmother sold me this, sold me a, a hand sewn, uh, white suit with a zipper up the front of it. And nice. she was so proud of me that, that I was, you know, starting down the road of a good road. And, and uh, you know, I made it, I started to get, my, my life started to get a little better. And um, uh, just one. How old, how old were you right now? Now I'm, I'm 16 years old. Okay. And, and, but the only thing was I met, a, I made a good friend, my first really good friend ever. Uh, his name was Donnie Hensley. And, and, uh, uh, Donnie, he taught me so many wonderful things about life that I didn't know about, like how to smoke cigarettes and, and, and how to go to the mall and talk to girls and, and, uh, you know, uh, how to roll marijuana joints. And, and so me and Donnie became fast friends, you know, and I started, I started running around with Donnie and, 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 uh, well, my grandmother told me I had to move because it wasn't working out any longer. And, uh, so I moved in with Donnie as a foster family. And, uh, from the ages of, uh, shortly after moving in with Donnie, being 16 years old, I heard my mother was in the hospital and she had had a coma. And so I went to the hospital, uh, in downtown Memphis and, and I hadn't seen her in two years since I was pulled out of, uh, my stepfather's house. And, uh, when I got in, she was in a coma and I grabbed her hand and it was, it was the first time I'd ever said that I love you. Uh, cause the nurse behind me said, you know, sometimes people can hear you when they're in a coma. And uh, so I grabbed her hand and I said, I love you, mom. And and she had never told me she loved me either. And she slipped away right then while I was holding her hand. So needless to say, when I walked out of that hospital, I had a lot of anger um, yeah. and and drinking became a, a, a good friend of mine. And, and then, you know, a few DUIs and I was running and then a few breaking and enteries and and things just weren't working out in Memphis anymore. I was wanted by, by three different counties for drunk driving and, and uh, you know, and breaking and entering. They were swarming my grandmother's house trying to find me uh, for breaking into a house and stealing a TV and a VCR. And uh, so I decided the next best thing would be to uh, take the $3 and the money I had for a Greyhound and head to California. Wow. So you, uh, so you basically running from the law at this time, you know, it's like, I forget it. Got to get running from the law, you know, running from myself. Uh, you know, there's an old saying, no matter where you go, 
there you are. Right. And uh, so I ran to California thinking I was escaping from me and I was still there, you know, and like when your mother passed away, obviously that had to be something, even though you, you had an estranged relationship, it sounded like you guys didn't really even see each other much and didn't even know that she was in the hospital in coma. But do you think right then, were you mad at God and also maybe yourself? Yeah, I was mad at God. And I, plus I felt like, I, you know, from my experience with God, that I could never live up to what he wanted me to be anyway. Yeah. You know, to me, God, what I had put in my head was this guy that sits behind, like going to court. Right. You know, you get up there, there's a judge, he's got the gavel and, and he slams it down and says, you didn't make it to jail with you, you know? And, yeah. and uh, that was the way I perceived God to be, not a loving God. So you went out to, so you got to California. Do you have a plan? To, like at this point, were you... Were you hoping like a fresh start? Like uh, you were still young, obviously, but were you thinking maybe I could get a career? Maybe I could not do drugs and, and bad stuff? I didn't really have a plan. No, me and my half brother went together. Uh, we got here. I, I met a girl in Memphis that was from California. And she said, if you're ever in California, look me up. And uh, I remembered I knew this girl. So I called her and said, I'm in California. And we were drunk at the Greyhound downtown L.A. And she was in Palmdale. She came down to pick us up. And I think the first night was staying with her. My brother stole her mom's car. <laughs> so the next morning, her mom got up from work and wanted to know, where's our car? And, I, and my brother's missing. And so needless to say, I had to send my brother back to oh, Memphis. No. Um, it wasn't, wasn't working out with me and him. And he got shot in the head uh, right after he got back. He, we, you know, we used to go down to the projects in Memphis and rob people for drugs. And yeah. he, he went down to the projects by himself and, and he got shot in the back of the head running with drugs. So he, he was 21. So then that, I mean, that was just gone. another thing kind of thrown on the pile of like, God, and you probably, I mean, yeah. you had just seen him and now he's dead. And so, I mean, so, yeah. I mean, you really, this, this, you were doing some pretty rough stuff. I mean, at, at the time, I mean, you were probably hanging with the, even in Memphis and now in California, it's just like the things that you were doing was, yeah. th this was like serious bad stuff, not just like a teenager yeah. acting crazy. You were in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I started picking up odd and end jobs. I started, I worked at a pizza place making pizza dough and then I got a job. Construction was uh, big out in California at that time. And, and I started doing, you know, running lumber and then I was doing framing and joices and pickup work. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, so I was doing construction and, you know, I was happy. I was making $10 an hour. I was more money than I'd ever seen in yeah. my life. And, um, but the problem was, is I, I still was drinking and, and even, even in the construction industry, it's like almost like lunchtime as everybody gets drunk right. and, uh, there's drugs there too. And so I started, you know, getting introduced to drugs and life was just not going that well. And I met another girl and, um, she, uh, uh, you know, got a job at a bar. So I thought, you know, what's a, what's a good way to, you know, make money. And I need, I thought, well, I'd sell drugs, yeah. you know, this seemed to be a, 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 a good lucrative yeah, business. Logical and, next step. <laughs> and, yeah. So I'm like, well, where can I sell some drugs? And I thought I should go to the bar because, you know, people drink and they need to, you know, they're getting drunk and they might need some yeah. meth. And, uh, so I'll go there and see who needs drugs. And I remember I was in this bar and, uh, there was a guy at the bar and he was wearing a big fur coat and a gold chain necklace. And, and he had the old phone. This is back when the first cell phones come out. It had a big shoulder yeah. strap on yeah, it. We had one of those. And <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it even had the, the old phone yeah. handle that went yeah. with it, you know. 
And I said, and he pulled out his money to buy a drink and he had like a wad of hundred dollar bills. And I said, man, that guy needs some drugs. And (laughs) so I went to talk to him and I said, Hey, you need some, do you need any drugs? And he's like, no, I don't need any drugs. And I go, well, buy me a drink. And he goes, well, get a job. And I go, well, I'm looking for a job. And he's like, well, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm a carpenter. And uh, he said, well, why don't you uh, come to my store in the morning and you can build some shelves for me. And he bought me a drink and and I said, all right, I'll be there. And he thought he'd never see me again. So next morning he came rolling up in his big old car and, and I was sitting out front with tool bag in my hand and well, I didn't know, but this store was an adult bookstore. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, I don't know, maybe it was a little luring to me too. Yeah. You know, here's a guy, he's got lots of money and, and, uh, you know, I, I never had anything against women right. and, you know, there was lots of pictures sure. of women in there. And so at this point, and, you're not uh, even thinking about, you're just thinking, make money, live your life, try to do money. better. Like you're not thinking about anything about God yeah. or you're, you're trying to escape your past. You got some hurt in there and everything. Just Right, no, just move on. This is uh, no, and, then, and he was actually maybe if, if you know if I could say it, he was he was probably the first person that was sticking a hand out yeah. to me to help yeah. me. You know what right. I mean? Like you know, I'm going to help this yeah. guy. You know, and and uh, so I built some shelves for this guy, and uh, uh, it turned out he he had another store out in La- Lancaster about an hour yeah. away, and he says I need some stuff done out there, and then he had this empty building. And then he said, you know, I think I'll open a distribution company. He goes, uh, you know, what are you doing? Uh, you want to go with me down to the L.A. to pick up some product for it? And I go, well, I, I don't know. He goes, well, I'm not going to pay you. It's, uh, you know, I'll supply weed and we can go to a strip club and then we'll go shopping. And, you know, and I go, well, I got yeah. nothing else going. This sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll go. He didn't and, have to twist uh, we would your go arm. Down there. <laughs> no. So I drove, I hanging out with yeah. him and, you know, I got nowhere else to hang yeah. out. And, uh, we go down to the LA and I, I, I meet a lot of different vendors down there that make movies yeah. and, uh, we go shopping. And, you know, I remember that first time we went down there, I was looking at the ground. I couldn't even really look at the shelves because, you know, I'm with other guys. Right. I mean, if I was alone, I'd probably looked at the right. shelves like, Whoa, what's this? But, you don't really look at porn with other right. men. It's just kind of, yeah. kind of strange, yeah, you, do it. you, you do know, it like mostly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you hide, yeah. but anyway, um, so eventually we got all that stuff back. We stopped, stocked the shelves and, and, uh, he goes, well, everything's done. I, I, all I need now is a shipper. And I go, huh? He go, I go, what's that pay? And he said, well, minimum wage was three thirty-five an hour. And I said, well, okay, I'll, I got nothing else to do. I'll ship. Yeah. And there was no computers in. You like hand logged oh, everything yeah. and weighed it, yeah. you know, put it on a scale, weighed it. End of the day, UPS would pick everything so up. You were, but were you shipping was, like just books or were you shipping like movies or We were shipping, toys? Um, they were v- VHS at oh, this wow. point and gag gifts yeah. too because we were trying to offset it. You know, we were selling stores and stores, they couldn't be 100% adult bookstores because of ordinances. Oh, no way. So they would offset it with... Um, books or either gag gifts oh, or greeting yeah. cards. So we, we would have, uh, we'd have other items to offer with adult. Yeah. Video. So you would sit, you would send so, like a porn you know, movie and then the giant fat lady in a bikini saying happy birthday card or something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But we were sending V uh, we would pack in 50 piece VHS boxes and we would ship, 
you know, about two or three hundred boxes a day. Golly, and two we, or three hundred so VHSs back then. Yeah, yeah. So we were packing and shipping, and and uh, that was that was just when we were getting started. Wow. But and so he would sell, and he would be on the phone, and I'd be like. I don't know, uh, five feet from him and I'd be shipping and I'd listen to him all day on the phone. And, and then we'd, he at five o'clock every day, he'd say, well, you know, I don't pay overtime, but we got work to do here. You want to go to the store and get a case of beer and we can work for free and smoke some weed and drink some beer. And I'd go, well, I got right. nothing else to do. <laughs> so you're buying the beer, you're buying the weed off. I guess I'll yeah, hang out and help right. work. And, so we would work till 10 o'clock. Well, one day we partied too hard that day. And next morning, he gave me a little key to the shop. Next day, he didn't come in. And I was sitting there, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? So I went to the liquor store, and I got a six-pack of beer. And I came back, and I picked up his Rolodex. And I just started calling people all over the world. And I, I even gave myself a name then. I said, I'll, you know, because he went by Dirty Greg. So I thought, well, I'll just call myself kinky keys right. and i called these customers and i said hey it's kinky keys i'm out here in california and you know what you that need awesome. you know and and so, so uh, this, he came this is, in, i don't want to stop came, you but uh just just for a oh, second okay. it, this is so interesting to me because so did you didn't graduate high school or did you did you leave or get your ged no or i think i i think the highest grade level i went to was ninth but, grade but, so you and, were a hustler and, though i mean you you were picking up on things business-wise like th this is part of the story that I, I just watching some of your videos too that i think is really interesting is nobody told you any of this stuff he did like you you know what i mean like it, he said hey do this and you did it but it, all along you were picking up knowledge so it's kind of interesting to me like just like having a rough life, family didn't care about it. Like you said, fam your family didn't even tell you they loved you, all these things. And yet there's this real intelligence there to, hey, wait a minute, I can just go to this Rolodex and I'm I'm going to do this. And then you did it. And right. I mean, that's really crazy. And you're saying it worked? Like you became Kinky Keith on the phone and what happened? Right. So yeah, like he came in the next day and I had a stack of orders. And he was like, wow, well, you're you're a shipper. I mean, you're you're a salesman now. He goes, we need to hire you a shipper. And so things kept going on like that. Like one day I just looked around, there was like papers everywhere, you know, and I thought I should get a file cabinet and I should start filing this stuff. And I developed, you know, a filing yeah. system and we just kept growing. I, and then I suggested that we move and we moved from a thousand square foot shotgun store, yeah. you know, to a 10,000 square foot warehouse. And we started doing... You know, I think when I left him, we were five, four to five million a year. Holy I worked for, I worked for, I was working for him. I worked for him for 10 years and it got to the point where he wasn't even coming to work anymore. And, and I was only making at that point, I think like 60,000 a year. And I went to him, I was doing all the hiring, all the firing top salesman and uh, signing the checks. And I went to his house and I said, Greg, I, I think I need a raise. And he said, well, I can't give you one. And I said, well, I'm probably going to have to go into business for myself. And he said, go ahead. You'll never make it. Well, I left him and I started my own company. And um, this guy uh, helped me start the company. He owned a manufacturing. He made movies. It was called Devil's Films. And uh, he said he saw something in me, I guess. And he said, if you ever want to go into business for yourself, give me a yeah. call. Well, he put up the money and I started my own company and I ended up growing to be the uh, second largest adult distributor in 
the U.S. And, and what 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 and, time frame was this? What year was this? By the time you'd done this, uh, this was in '97. '97. So it was still VHS. It wasn't. It hadn't moved to DVDs yet. It or? was. It was. It was still VHS when I started. Yeah. Uh, the DVDs started coming in. We were. We went from VHS from. Uh, I remember the first time we got VHS with gloss on the box, and I would call customers and go, "Man, you should see these boxes. They're all glossy. <laughs> you know, it's like it just made the girl come right. alive." The, the gloss right. on it. You got to have this stuff. New wave hookers. <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact, I hired Marilyn Chambers from behind the green door. She was on the phones working no for way. me. Uh, you know, she passed away yeah. a few years back. But and I'm still her daughter and my daughter ran around, grew up together. Wow. And uh, so anyway, I ended up being uh, the second largest adult distributor. Yeah. And um, so I was making pretty good money, and we grew. That company started making ten million a year. Wow! So um, then I was like, I went to lunch with my partner, and I was sitting with him. And I said, you know, I just don't feel like I'm making enough money. I, I need to figure out a, another way to make money. And he's and I said, well, why don't you just sell me your half? And so he said, all right. And he sold me his half of the company. And so I bought him out. And then later on, he came to me and said would you like to buy Devil's Films? You know? And I said, well, I guess. I don't know anything about making movies, but, but maybe I can yeah. learn. So he, uh, he, he's, I said, what do you want for it? And he said, oh, just pay me what I'm, you know, give me a million dollars, give me a hundred thousand a month and it'll be years after a year. And he says, it's already, it, it's profiting a hundred thousand a month. And I go, all right, that sounds pretty reasonable. And so I bought that from him and I, Paid him off in a year. And, uh, and so now you're making porn. Yeah. Movies. So now I'm making them, you know, and, uh, you know, I, so I'm making two, two a week. Yeah. I actually looked online. It, it was really funny that I looked on, I was just typing it in and I, I stumbled upon IDMB and, uh, uh there was one producer thing for Keith Rapold. It was her first older woman, too. I was like, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw that was a lesbian line I had called L Factor. Remember when the L, the L word was on TV. Yep. Yeah. Well, I knocked that off and called it the L factor, made a lesbian line, You're right. you know, and that was one of the titles, but I had, Oh, I guess I'm going to say we were up to about 3000 movies in our library wow. and, and, you know, five scenes to a movie. Wow. So I owned a lot of footage. Were you hands-on even now? Like, because you're so business minded, it's really interesting. Like somebody that most people would think, Oh, I didn't graduate high school you know, a nothing, you know, whatever, just doing it. And, and like, you really are, have a real intelligence. You're really smart, obviously very business minded, numbers minded. And so do you think you could have done this? If it, if you would have been, somebody would have picked you up with paper products or sporting goods or something like, do you think you could have done that the same way as you did with porn? And also were you just hands-on like making the movies too? Like in every facet, did you just care that much about the business and that's how it grew? I, I think that, you know, a, a, a guy told me a long time ago, do what you love until you don't love it anymore. Yeah. Well, I think I was fascinated with it. And, and you know, so I believe if you really like what you're right. doing for a living, then, then you're going to excel at it no matter what it is. If, like, in other words, I mean, this is way off the right field because, I mean, we're going to head there, but, but I love Jesus today. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not selling Jesus, but I love yeah. it. And so I don't, if you... If you love what you're doing, you don't have to sell it. You know, right. that platform, that rock is what you're standing yeah. on and people will see it. 
You know, um, I don't know why I excelled so much in what I was doing. I just think it's interesting because you have such a, uh, just the way you're even telling your story and the way you're talking, like you definitely have a great demeanor about you. And it's, uh, I, I, it just, it's just interesting to me. I, I actually believe just from your story, you probably could like, you know, the old adage, you could have sold, you know, ice to an Eskimo or something like that just because well, yeah. you kind of have that skill, I think anyway. But, and so. Anyway, with that being said, so you started making movies, producing movies, and you're just t- honestly probably around sex. I, I mean, there's probably tons of porn stars w- that are interested in you and all that stuff. Well, you know, strangely enough, I I, let, I had two daughters, and I led a, a life where I was a, a father on the weekends, and uh, my my daughters didn't come to work, and I never be, I I go to the adult show every year for tw- you know 25 years. I went to the CES and the Consumer Electronics Show. And there I would do business. I mean, I had booths on the floor and I had suites upstairs. And when I would go upstairs, I had open bar and food yeah. and girls ready to work. And all I had to do was snap, snap my fingers. Wow. And um, you were like a king, you know, I mean, it's like a king with a yeah, harem. I mean, I mean, King Keith. Yeah. And yeah. And everybody was respecting you, too. Right. I mean, you had done it. I never had to wait in any lines. And people were just there were fans out the door uh, down the street and, you know, I was just walking around like having whatever I wanted, yeah. and I, but I never, even to this day, have been to a porno shoot. Wow, you never went to one. Never went to one. I subcontracted everything out. Uh, I, you know, we called. We said what we wanted. We we said this is our budget, and they would drop off the footage, and I would have contracts, and I would say that you know they would sign contracts. They drop it off. We had art department. We had replication. We wow. had uh, arthurine. You know, we we put it all together, yeah. and then just just uh, distributed it. Yeah. You know, by own we own it, but. And then I sold rights to Europe and Germany and hotels and, you know, and so at the end, when I got out, you know, I personally was bringing home, I don't know, like, I think it was my looked at my tax return. It was like 3.2 million a year. Wow. You know, so that was my bring home. And you were just killing it. So you have all this money and success and people are like, man, this guy is just seriously a pioneer. Like we said, a king in the industry. And so what in the world made you want to get out? Well, it's, you know, I, I bought, I was living good. I mean, I had, you know, Bentleys and, and Maseratis and, and, you know, I think the last car I bought was the Mercedes F65 and I had it all murdered and, and 12 cylinder and, you know, and then I got, I started getting a watch fetish. So I started buying 20 to $50,000 watches and I had, you know, different ones for different days and, and, uh, you know, that wasn't making me happy. So I said, you know, I think I'll buy a house at the ocean just to have a place to go visit on the weekends. And yeah. I bought a little place down at the ocean and weekends started turning into weekdays. And then uh, uh, I was still getting bored. And my wife liked yogurt. Yeah. She was like, she was, she was like, I love yogurt. And we would go have yogurt. And a little place came up down here in the beach community by the house I built. Yeah. And, um, it was on the corner, and uh, she said, you know, that'd make a great place for a yogurt shop. So I said, well, I'll open you a yogurt shop, and, you know, as a hobby. Yeah. The place came available there on the corner, and I said, well, I'll open you a yogurt shop. I knew nothing about yogurt, um, only that my wife liked it. Yeah. And, and uh, so I rented the little shop. It was 390 square feet on the corner, little hut there. Yeah. Right in the, it's a four-way stop, right in this uh, community uh, of surf community down by the beach. And, and uh, so 
I, I called the health department and they came over and they looked at it and they said, you didn't rent this place, did you? And I go, well, yeah. And they said, well, <laughs> you need this. You need a three compartment sink, a hand washing sink, a vegetable sink. You need, oh. you can't get, you got to move the bathroom because you can't go through the kitchen to go to the bathroom. And, and you got, you know, so all this stuff, the electricity. And they said, if you ever get it, get it open, call us and we'll come out. So I hired an architect and I, 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 we drew and drew and drew until we got the place open. And he found one way that it would work. And uh, so then went to another yogurt shop and took a picture of their yogurt machine. It was called Taylor. Yeah. And so I called Taylor and they were back in Ohio or something. And they said, we're having a yogurt convention right now out in California. So I went to that yogurt convention, which was the same spot over by Universal Studios that we would do the adult uh, a novelty <laughs> convention in, and that, but so it was a little you, you different were used for to me. <laughs> I was used to the yeah. the spot, yeah. but the, I wasn't used to the, the to what happened. I got there and I had to wait in line, right? And I had to get a <laughs> ticket and I had to get a badge. And I was standing in line with a bunch of Asians, right. and I was only you know no one knew me, right? And and I got inside and it was a real small dinky show, you know, and I, yeah. and I was like, okay, this is what life is like this. And, uh, so <laughs> I, I made connections and, uh, I got that little shop open. Well, before I opened the shop one Saturday, I, you know, like any good businessman, I, I went out and I made banners, yeah. uh, saying coming soon, surfing yogurt. Yeah. And, um, I, I proudly displayed them on the building on the corner. And I, I, I thought I would let people know that I'm going to soon open a little yogurt shop in, in between two liquor stores on the corner that that really needed a family atmosphere, right, you know? Right. And uh, so I get up Saturday morning and a friend of mine calls me and he says, Keith, uh, you might want to get down here. Something's happened to your 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 banners. And, oh, and uh, no. so I get on my bicycle and I ride around the corner. And as I'm coming up in red scarlet letters on the front window and paint, it said, Porn stars wanted, oh. and then my turn. I turned the corner, and the banner said "Porn producer." Oh no! And uh, so, man, I went home, and I, we got we tore the, the banner down. We we got the paint off the windows. I went home, told my wife, "We got to leave. I, let's just sell the house. Let's just get out of here. You know, secrets out." So you wanted you wanted to move away, like you you were done with the town and everything. Yeah, you know, because everybody that's turned the corner has, you know. Looked at that and and I was right. full of shame and embarrassment and right yeah so you know she said no we're gonna stay you're gonna we're gonna stay and you're gonna we're gonna open this little shop and you know and I thought well nobody will probably ever come to it and so the night before we opened we got everything done and I had two hundred thousand into this little three hundred ninety square foot shop right wow and I was determined to make it work and we were down there the night before we opened just tasting the yogurt making sure everything was ready. And, um, so this guy comes in and, and he had these alien eyes. I don't know. He, he just had a smile from ear to ear, him and his son. And yeah. he goes, I just moved here from Seattle. And I was like, Oh, good to meet you, but we're not open. So I gave him a cup of yogurt and thought I'd never see him again. Yeah. The next day we opened up and the shop was flooded. We had doctors and teachers and kids and and all kinds of people there just down the street in a line to get in. Wow. And it was it was like crazy. It just took off and we were busier and crap. And so, you know, there it was. I had a yogurt shop and and it was successful and and I just adopted my new son and 
just built my brand new house. Speaking of build my house, when I was building my house, this is just everyday life for me. I was on the third floor when it stick framed and LA Times called me and they said, Keith, we'd like to take a comment. Uh, AIDS broke out on one of your sets. Um, what would you like to say? And I, I said, it did. And I said, I wouldn't like to say anything. I said, you talked to my attorney. And they said, well, who's your attorney? I said, well, call back, leave your name and number, and I'll have him contact you. And I called up the shop, and I ran over there, and OSHA showed up. And, man, that was just everyday life for me in, in that world. You would say surfing yogurt just started just because of your wife. Like, you were still pretty, uh, you know, knee-deep in, in the porn world, right, at this time, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, I've got everything that that money can ad- obtain. Yeah. Um, you know, now I've got a little hobby shop, you know, trying to, right. trying to really just kind of be somebody I'm not, I guess I had a little, sh- yeah. you know, shop and I could actually like say hello to people. It was kind of strange because I never talked to anybody. I'm the type of move in, set up cameras around my house, keep people away from me, right. you know, just isolate. Yeah. And so anyway, the, um, the, the shop was going along well. And one day I was sitting there and I was running the cash register and that eight, alien eye guy came in again, you know, and, and turns out he had moved here from Seattle to start a church, um, called city city church. And he was youth director to, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the road Jesus is, is it Judah Smith? Judah Smith. Yeah. He was Judah Smith's youth pastor. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, he had moved here to start a city church. Judah Smith is running this, uh, city church out of Seattle. Yeah. And uh, so I found out he was a pastor and he didn't look anything like a pastor. He looked fun and exciting, but just kind of weird alien guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, and I was unhappy. And, and I says, you know, hey, you think we could get a coffee sometime? And he goes, yeah, man, let's meet down at Starbucks. So we met at Starbucks and I proceeded to tell him about my life. Yeah. And I started to tell him about you know, what kind of business I was yeah. really in. And I just kind of opened up my heart I, at this point in my and life. What was, was his reaction as a pastor to you t- telling me like, you have a, like what the second or first biggest porn distribution on the West coast and uh, no top 10 manufacturer of porn, you know? Wow. Yeah. What was his reaction to that? You know, he played it really cool. I have to give it to him because he didn't say, let's lay hands on you and get right. the devil out of you or nothing <laughs> like that. He just came out with a simple question. He said, he, he said, he said, Keith, can I pray for you? And I stood up right there in Starbucks and I looked around and I said, you want to pray for me in the middle of Starbucks? Right. I go, you're crazy. I'm not praying in public. Yeah. I said, we well, can go sit in my car and you can pray for me there. And so we went and sat in my car and, um, he said, can you repeat after me? And I go, I guess. And so we prayed, I guess, what they called the prayer. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know I was praying the prayer because yeah. afterwards he <laughs> said, do you know what you just did? And I said, no, what did I do? He says, you just gave your life to Jesus. And I said, I did. And, um, you know, then he said something that was really cool. He said, uh, you know, God loves you just for who you are right now. And those were those were tangible words that I could I could hold on to because I could accept that I I wasn't what I thought I should be, but God thought that was just enough for right now. Yeah. And he's and he gave me another piece of advice. He said, "Long as you're looking forward, then you're not looking backwards. If you look to God, just keep your eyes on God. Everything will just kind of past in the past. And he didn't say, "Now you're giving your life to God. You need to go set burn those businesses to the ground and." 
You know, he didn't say anything like that. He just asked yeah. another simple question. He said, can you come to church on Sunday? And I said, well, maybe I'll, yeah, I'll try. And I went home and yeah. I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to church on Sunday. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, you're going to church? And I said, yep. So I got up Sunday morning and I got in my car and drove over there and I parked in the back of the parking lot, my S65 all murdered out. And yeah. I opened my door and I threw my cigarette out on the ground and <laughs> put my foot on it. And I looked up and there was more of those alien eye people. I mean, they was like all smiling and waving. Right. What did you get like, yourself oh into? <laughs> yeah. So I had to make my way down the crowd there. They were all standing up front. And then I seen Jude come out of this crowd and he was like, Keith, you made it. And then he says, let me introduce you to somebody. And he brings me over to this guy and he goes, this is Mike. And I go, he goes, Mike used to sell marijuana. We call him marijuana Mike. And I thought, oh, God, they're going to call me Porno Keith. And my <laughs> secret will be out. <laughs> so that was the beginning of my journey right there. I went to church. I sat on the front row for six months. And I sat right next to Pastor Jude for six months. Yeah. And so you just felt, I mean, you, you really hadn't been around a pastor that you felt comfortable. And so his approach was just come to church, just hang out, right? You didn't, you felt welcomed, I guess, is the, is the right answer. Well, you know, I just felt something that I hadn't felt in a long time. I don't know what it was. And I, I think it was that prayer maybe, yeah. but I wasn't, I couldn't identify it because, you know, I'd never felt that really. Yeah. And um, so, and I wanted a life change. I knew that before I met him, I was on the verge of a divorce I've been with my wife for 20 years now. I was on the verge of a divorce. My, I'd, I'd met another woman that, but you know, it wasn't having an affair, but was, you know, told my wife I was looking the other way. Yeah. And you know, nothing could make me happy anymore. Yeah. And, uh, so I went to church for six months and then, um, my wife is funny. My brother-in-law, he was dating a porn star and, um, that porn star started going to church out in Santa Clarita. And uh, this other church moved here from Kentucky and Chicago to plant a church in Ventura. And she ran up to the church planters and said, you know, I wish you to call this lady. They've got a little yogurt shop out in Ventura and just call her. And she thought, why am I going to call this lady? The, the church planter lady did. And then, but she did. She called my wife. And then they would start walking on the beach for six months together. Wow. And, and then the next thing you know, they were, the day came that they were going to open their church doors. And my wife came home and she said, I'm not going to go to church, but I'm going to go one time just because she's been such a good friend. Yeah. And at that point, we had two churches praying, you know, the church I was going to and the church she was going to go to. Yeah. And she went, she came back home and she said, I loved it. I can't wait to go back next week and hear the rest of that story. Wow. So that was our journey. And and uh, I know I called Pastor Jude one day and I said, Jude, can you meet me down at the yogurt, uh, down at the um, coffee shop? And he gets down there and I says, I think I should sell the porn companies. And he said, he said it said everything in him felt like he should, he should, you know, agree. But he had to say, no, I don't think you should. And I, and that puzzled me. I looked at him. I said, well, why not? And he said, you got to wait till your wife's ready. She, it needs to be a, a unity decision. Wow. And I said, okay. So I would ask my wife every once in a while, 
hey, you think we ought to sell? And she say, are you crazy? She didn't want to give up that money. Yeah. And um, one day I asked her and she didn't reply. So I took that as a yes. Yeah. Because I figured no answer is a yes. Yeah. So we ended up selling both companies. I the, the, the distribution, what I did was I went to my employees there that worked for me there for 10 years. And I said, look, I'm making this much a week. You give me that much for one year every week, my own money that I'm already making and the company's yours. And I walked away. Wow. And the other company I, I, I told, I went to, uh, we, I showed up, we had a, a round table and he had all of his attorneys and I brought my Jewish accountant and uh, we sat there and my Jewish accountant kept telling me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And the guy said, I'll pay you on payments and I'll give you my, pro- uh, my signature. And uh, I said, do it. Make it happen. And it was a three-year payment. And and my accountants thought for sure that they wouldn't pay me. And um, last May was that third year. Um, so to shorten this story up, um, I, got, I, I got baptized in the ocean right after that. I felt like, and I know you're not supposed to wait until you're like completely like ready to, to come to say, I'm ready, God. But, you know, they say you can get baptized and make the start from there. But I felt like I was ready. Yeah. And uh, I got baptized. And see, and I've struggled from drugs and alcohol for a long time. And, and, I, and I found out later that I've struggled from many things. And that's, I guess that's why we're here on this show today. But um, I got baptized and I thought, well, I'll just do one more hurrah. And I invited my, uh, my daughter was turning 21. I went to Vegas and I said, I'm going to take you to Vegas and show you a good time. And, and we got to Vegas and I remember toasting my wife that, that little drink. We went out that night. I show it was limo rides, velvet rope, you know, drinking all night. The next night um, wasn't so fun. And I remembered I knew a Coke dealer in, in, uh, in Vegas. I called him up and uh, that was it. They didn't see Keith any longer. Uh, needless to say, Sunday night, my wife was in the hospital from feeling like an overdose. My daughters had to fly home Monday morning by themselves, and um, I would come home the next day. But before we left and came back, I remembered my wife looked at me with disgust, and she said, you need to be a man and lead this family in a, in a godly direction. And I, she had never looked at me like that before. Yeah, you'd never heard anything like that from her before, right? No, right. no, I never. And and I, I think because God has started changing our life, and and we just knew that wasn't the path that He had for us. Yeah. And uh, so I would come back, and I would go to an AA meeting, and I would get a sponsor, and and I would, you know, when I got back, I've been writing a book with um, a lady from my church named Jen at Mission Church, and it was called Hardcore to Soft Serve. And that's the name of the book. And so she said, we can't write that book any longer. You just wrote a whole new chapter. And uh, she said, you need help. And she took a big risk telling me that because we were coming to church there. And she was one of the church leaders. And and she said, you should go to a program. So I I went to the AA. I I got a sponsor. And I would begin for the first time to to actually work a a program of of a 12-step program. And uh, so these are the, the, the tools that I, I learned uh, um, about change. Yeah. One was, um, well, let me just back up a little bit before I get to those okay. tools. Yeah, no problem. So we did a video. We released it in the church. We told about my past and who I was. And, and this was with Pastor Jude at your church? No, th- that was the first one. But the second one was at Mission Church. And, okay. And so my son was in um, preschool. 
And uh, it was a Christian preschool called CPC. And um, I remember I went up to school. They said, Keith, can you tell the preschool about, about surfing yogurt? So I got all these. I was so excited because my kids growing up, they never, I could never do career day at school. Right. You know, my, my daughters. So this, yeah. Right. So this was like a whole new fresh start for me. You know, I was able to gather up some yogurts, right. right. Take a picture of the shop, take some gift cards and go see nine little preschoolers. And, and yeah. Jackson came up, he put his hands on my knees and he stood there all proud and yeah. excited that his dad was, you know, there doing his deal. And yeah. So, and they just released that video in the church. And so I came back that evening to pick up my son from school, and the principal says, Keith, can I see you in the office? And I come into the office, and she says, Jackson's been telling us, um, some of the parents are upset, says he's seen naked pictures on your phone. And I said, huh, I don't know what that is. And so I get out to the car with my son, and I said, Jackson, he's about three or something, or two, I don't know. I said, show me what you're talking about. And he just whips around on my phone, he pulls up this picture, of a friend of mine with underwear on his head. And he just smiles ear to ear like this is a naked picture. Right. So I took him back in the principal's office and I showed him those those pictures. And I said, this is what he was looking at. He, there's no naked pictures on my phone. After I left, I, I still felt shame. And I called Pastor Jude and I said, <clears throat> Jude, this is what happened. He said, would you tell her that man was baptized, dunked in the ocean? And there was a time he had thousands of naked pictures on his phone. But not today. And I said, well, no, I didn't go that far, Jude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's been a real journey. Um, so anyway, back to, you know, working those steps. Well, I got to the what they call a fifth step. My sponsor said, I want you to go home and t- write down everything you don't want to tell me about yourself. And that and so that I went all the way back to the beginning of the time. I mean, back to when you know, as a boy looking in Sears catalog in the laundry section, you know, and then going through uh, my life and thinking through my head, all the things I'd done. And, and so I, I went and shared that with that man. Yeah. So that was my beginning. And, and if I could give uh, some, some advice to men, cause um, what I'm getting around to is I'm over almost three years now. Uh, no, I, I haven't watched any porn. Wow. I haven't done any drugs, any alcohol. Um, I've, I've lived a good, clean life. And, and I did some, there was a lot of different th- tools that I used to do that. And I think one was, I got us, we can call it anywhere. We can call it a sponsor. You can call it a spiritual sponsor. Uh, uh, you've been doing this longer than me. You probably have other names that you can call it. Um, like a mentor or something like that. Man. Right. Find someone in your life that you can get with and and tell the truth about yourself to that person. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting here is what did you feel? Okay, so you were really successful. I mean, you did a lot. And I mean, honestly, like I was saying before, I, I am impressed just by the I, the just the story of a guy that had nothing and built up like an empire where he's making millions of dollars a year. That that's just, a, that's like an American dream. Right. But right. you were saying that that American dream still wasn't fulfilling. Like what did you think was like when you were at the height, you had great cars, great house. Uh, you know, you could have had all the sex and drugs that you wanted anytime you were looked at like, honestly, like a, a king in the industry and all that stuff. What was missing? Like what, why, 
Why do you think what was where what were you looking more for? Why weren't weren't you fulfilled with that? Well, I what what I think I'm learning is that that there is no happiness in things, you know, that yeah. there's only ha- happiness in God. And I feel I I think we're we I mean, this is really strange from a guy like me to say things like this, but that we're designed and built to love God love God and serve others. Yeah. And so that's what today, that, that's my motto is I love God and serve others. So I've, you know, I've replaced all that stuff. Like those watches are in the safe. I can't even wear one out of my house. And I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for me, it was like leading with my chin. Those cars that I drove, I drive a truck today, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't wear expensive jewelry. I mean, we're back to that day where this, <laughs> but it's not what I am today. Today, um, you know, so going through those steps is that was one of the first things I did. And another one was making amends. So I had to go back. I flew back to Memphis and I did a, what they call a three day amends trip. And and I had a list of people that I had to go see that that uh, I had robbed. One of them had become a pastor. I didn't know it. I found I that had to be ahead. scary, right? Or I mean, were you it just was. like? I mean, you had to be just feeling <sighs> that guilt, you know? That I know that's from the enemy and all that stuff, but I mean, you had to just be like really nervous and feeling scared. Yeah, I had to go to. Uh, there was a guy I played basketball with when I was sixteen on the corner, and one day I broke into his house and robbed his house and took his bass guitar and his mom's jewelry and then played basketball with him again the next day, you know? Oh, wow. And he always wondered who stole from him. And, you know, with technology today, I found him on Facebook and uh, I called him up out of the blue. I'm 52 years old today. And this happened, you know, three years ago. And and he has and I said, I would like to meet with you and have coffee. And I remember that experience when I sat in front of him in in Mississippi, South Haven, Mississippi. And and I was and I started to tell him, I'm that guy that robbed you. And the tears started flowing down my face and I felt remorse. Yeah. And, and I reached in my pocket and I paid him back and he told me he was a pastor now and he writes stories. And, uh, so those were healing experiences, just, you know, cleaning up my wreckage. But in Mrs. I had gotten a prayer partner in, um, in Kentucky. I met him like three years ago and he walked up to me and said, I'm going to start praying for you. And this guy was a prayer warrior. And I just got chills on my arm when he told me that, because I knew it meant something. So I'm in this motel in South Haven, Mississippi, and I just got through working, you know, that fifth step, telling my sponsor everything about myself. And I'm sitting there in the motel, and there it was on TV. It said, evening entertainment, adult viewing. Right. And I was like, what is this stuff in Mississippi? Right. This is the Bible Belt. <laughs> I didn't know they had this stuff in the motels, you know. Right. I thought, what am I going to do? I'm tempted here and I didn't right. know what to do. Yeah. I'm like 30 days fresh. And yeah. and uh, so I called this prayer partner and, and I'd never talked about this stuff to him before. And I said, hey, David, this is what I'm feeling. And, and this is what's happening. And he said some magic words to me. He said, yeah, me too. Me too. And I was like, that was a relief when right. he said, me too. I'm human too. Yeah. And he, he said, I'm two years now. And I thought, wow, or three years or whatever he said. Yeah. And I and so he said, well, here's what we're going to do. Let's get on our knees and we're going to pray together. And I got on my knees in Mississippi and he got on his knees in Kentucky and we prayed it away and I went to sleep. Wow. 
I mean, that's that's so crazy too, because I mean, that was your industry, that was your business. I mean, everything you yes. worked for years and years to do, and now you're asking God to take it away. That had to be, be so surreal and crazy, almost. It was, and that desire, I do believe that that does come from God. That that is just really crazy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in that moment it had to feel. Like you were, I don't want to do this, but I want to do this at the exact same time. Right, like, yeah. right, exactly. That's a great des- definition. Yeah. Like, but and it was fighting, and I, I found I didn't know, but I found that it was an addiction like anything else. Right. It was probably the hardest addiction that I had to quit, and I didn't even know I had a problem. Right. I thought I was just a normal man. I thought that's what all men do. Yeah. And you know, because that's what. I, that's what we all talked about in the industry. We all do it. Everybody does it. That's why yeah. we're making millions. Right. You know, right. And we said, we had, we had a scene that we sold more porn in the Bible belt than anywhere in the world. Yeah. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I think because they make it, everything's so wrong. Like you right. can't do this. You can't do that. So it makes you want it more. I don't know what it was, but you know, there was another helpful tool. I don't know where I heard it, but someone said, you should stick your phone in your shoe and put it under your bed. And I thought, I'm going to try that. And so I put the phone in my house shoe and I slid it under my bed. That did two things. It kept the phone out of reach. And the second thing was, well, I'm already down here. I might as well say a little prayer. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, so, you know, and that happened what? Twice a day. Yeah. Before I went to bed, I slid that phone under the bed. I got on my knees and I said, I got up in the morning, got to get on my knees. I'd pull that phone out under the bed, and I'd say a little prayer. Like I would say, "Take away my my the the bondage of self that I may better do what I will." Take away, um, gosh, I can't think right now. Lord, anyway, I would say this little simple prayer in the morning, and that night I'd say thank you. But what I found was those two prayers began to be a communication throughout the day with God. Yeah. All of a sudden, I was talking to God all day long, and it, and that those two little habits became practice and, and became a way of life. So I was speaking to God on a on a I was having a relationship with Him now. Yeah. So you know that was another thing. You know, is 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 getting on my knees, uh, having a spiritual sponsor. These are all tools that I have found that have worked for me. So you were successful, you had money and all this stuff and it wasn't enough. Now do you feel, do you think after having become a Christian now, do you feel more fulfilled or oh. do you feel on a, uh, on a better path even? Like, I mean, obviously there's well, hard days and bad days and stuff, but I mean, what is there a difference in your life now? Believe it or not, you know, I am now the recovery pastor at my church. And, you know, at first it was really weird that they, when I would hear the word, they would say, recovery pastor. And I was like, what the heck? You've just <laughs> used my name with the name pastor. Right. You know, and, and it's, you know, I tell people it's a really easy job, you know, and anytime someone comes into church that has problems with, with drugs, alcohol, or sex, or overeating, or whatever, they just call Keith, and Keith connects them with somebody else. <laughs> you know, I got yeah, you've, been, you've done it all. You, they, yeah. Keith will know. <laughs> and you know, when I meet with guys, I say, "Hey, if you could tell me anything. You know, right. if I didn't, if I didn't do it, I shot it. You know, so. <laughs> but, but, uh, and then you know, I you know, giving up that kind of money. You know, my yogurt shops make like fifty thousand a year. You know, yeah. And that's that's a drop in the bucket to what I'm used to making. Right. And so, 
but I'm so blessed with it. I just earlier we were talking, I had to hang up and go get 50 kindergartners free yogurt because they all graduated kindergarten today. And I'm so blessed. I have a community today that, that, that I'm a part of. Yeah. I'm very known in my community. I mean, outside or inside of church. Um, I started a, a cabinet shop a month, a month and a half ago, I got, I bought a cabinet shop and I go to work every day from eight to 12 at a cabinet shop. And, um, we, we bought this cabinet shop and it's, we doubled the numbers in a month and a half already. And, um, I'm so happy to go sit there and, you know, I don't need much today to make me happy. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy with what God's given me. Um, the house I'm, I built, what was that? Six years ago. Yeah. I listed it Tuesday. Um, I was trying to get 2,049,000 for it. And, um, on Sunday, somebody gave me 2,080,000 for it. Wow. So God's just blessing me. He's like sending me on a journey, you know, get me. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what's happening in my life, you know, and I'm downsizing. I'm happy. My, my wife's happy. She's mentoring women wow. and she's constantly working with others. We, we live by the motto, love God, serve others. You know, I have Bible, I have a men's Bible study at my house every Monday morning. We read a chapter a week. I'm learning more and more about what God has to say about living. I mean, it, it's been a, uh, it's been an amazing ride, Yeah, you know? So what a- I know it's a long story I, and I talk a lot, but I'm just very super excited about what he's done in my life. It's encouraging to me because I, I honestly, like I've worked at a church and grew up in the church and all that stuff. And I, it, it is easy to get burnt out. And then when I, I guess when I hear stories of people that didn't have it and now they just are uh, just feel like it just compelled to by Christ and by others and stuff like that, that, that is what I really appreciate is nobody pushed you into this. You know what I mean? Nobody was like, Hey, like you, you actually felt in your life having so many material things and all that stuff that like you were missing something. And I, I can really resonate with that, that Christ actually feels those desires and those needs and all that stuff. So I, I actually really resound with that. It really does work. I mean, it really is true. And I'm, I'm living testimony that I can be, you know, someone can be transformed yeah. and, 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 and God has transformed me. And, you know, and I like, and I understand how you feel. Cause you know, even in Matthew where it talks about that, you know, one sheep goes away and, and 99 sheep re- rejoice right. when that one sheep comes back. Well, it's hard to rejoice when you're not the one sheep, you know, right. Right. when you're number <laughs> right 87, now, it's not that fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, now it's my turn to look for the, you know, and that's my stance on the industry. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't, people might ask me, well, why didn't you burn it to the ground or, or, or will you get yeah. on board with the, um, the coalition against adult movies or, or, you know, I can't burn down every liquor store in, in the, in the world. Right. I can't stop Colorado from selling marijuana. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't stop images from going across the internet. Um, all I can do is put my hand out to the next guy that wants it, that wants to have a spiritual experience and give him some suggestions. Yeah. You know, I can be there to make suggestions, you know? Yeah. So I'm just looking to, to be there for people who want a way out of what they're in. Right. I, 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 I appreciate that you said that because I, like, I actually like that part of the story that you didn't just burn it to the ground and you ended it because those people aren't there yet. Right. You are respect, you know, I mean, you, you really do. And it sounds a little cheesy. You have to respect people's journey because 
If you would have just said, I'm ending this business, I don't like it anymore, I'm a Christian now, that would have left such a foul taste in their mouth for Christianity and what it means that it wouldn't it would not have opened a door. Now, what you did was say, hey, I am done with this. This is about what my relationship with Christ and stuff like that and where I'm moving. And and so uh, that might have actually opened a door, maybe not today, but who knows down the future for them to end or walk away from it or whatever it might be. And so I, I actually really appreciate that. I, uh, same way as you said, your pastor, Jude didn't tell you to stop the, uh, you know, the porn industry immediately, like wait and, right. and do that with your wife, do it the right way. Because that, even though obviously it wasn't good for you guys, don't stop this because if you would have done that, maybe you would have alienated your wife. Maybe you'd have pushed her away, right. scared her away and all that stuff. Why not do it the right way? And it, and obviously that was the right thing. So I, I actually really appreciate yeah, that part and, of the story. You know, and I still have friends in that industry. I mean, the, the, there's, st- I still talk to people on a, on a weekly basis and, really? and they know the life I'm living yeah. and, and, you know, they know what I'm about and I stand on that rock. I don't have to tell people what they're doing wrong or I don't have to tell people what they're doing right. You know, yeah. I, what I'm doing is standing on my belief and who I am. And that, that is called being a Christian. Yeah, you know, in my opinion, it's just living a life. Yeah. Well, you're such a good businessman, though. Do they say, "Hey, Keith, let me ask you a question. What if I do this with this video?" <laughs> do they ever ask you? That? Yeah. No. <laughs> you have to go. <laughs> I mean, I have to say that, like, I, I really, you know, I really, they, I think they respect me enough to know I really don't, I don't want to really talk about that anymore. Right. You know, I had right. a guy come up to me. He knew that I was in the business here in my neighborhood, and said, "I was thinking about doing this website." Could you help me? And I said, No, nah, I'm not really into that. Right. You know, I had a site that made a hundred grand a month. You know, and so it was free money. Yeah. You know, but uh, I, you know, I just that's not who I am anymore. You know. Right. Just like I don't, you know, I don't, you know, if I'm exercising, I don't like sit around and eat cheeseburgers. Right. <laughs> 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 well, every once in a while you can eat a cheeseburger, though. But yeah, you got to stay away yeah, from the porn now. Yeah, you don't. Every once in a while you can't can't watch a porn video. But anyway, Keith, we yeah. really, I really do yeah. appreciate it, man. This was a great interview. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for coming back on too uh, for the second half. I really do appreciate it. This was really enlightening. So uh, thank you so much for your time, man. And uh, I'm glad uh, Craig Gross from Triple X Church introduced us, and I'm glad we got to do this interview. All right, guys, did you enjoy that interview? Uh, I mean, I thought I did really well. <laughs> Yeah, I thought she did a really oh, good it job. It was flawless, man. It was one of the best interviews we've ever done. Except uh, it is funny, it. like doing an interview by yourself. Like it, uh, I don't, I can't. There's no, like out. Like if I don't think of the next question or if there's anything oh, yeah. like that, like so that is, I do feel a little pressure. But also, all my questions get asked. Yeah, yeah that part's and awesome. You get the ability for the the potential at least of there to be a pause that you want to be there yep. in this format. Yeah, that's true. You do not. There is no chance of a pause. If you want a pause for effect, you, there's not one that you can get. Right. Because too many people. That's right. And you know what else people I get is, uh, it, it bums me out every time I talk to a new podcaster or somebody's doing podcasting. And then they t- talk about how, uh, they that delay is so weird when you're trying to do interviews yeah. and talk to people and make jokes and like they totally get it that that doesn't um and i would tell them like, yeah it's really hard because it totally changes the way you communicate fundamentally just to be on a little thing but people think we're in the same room together and so i know nobody understands the difficulty it takes to be in good rhythm with people over an internet connection but even more sadly 
we're judged as if we were in the same room because you know what I mean? Right. Right, which so is people, unfair. It's unfair, guys. It's unfair to us is really basically what I'm saying. We should get more credit for timing and funny stuff than we even do because of the medium that we're crossing. Yeah, we should get more it. contributions from the BC Club. It's ridiculous. We should get more money. Yeah. I mean, people just don't understand the amount of money they're not giving If us. you knew how hard it was <laughs> to do what we did, you would give more. Yeah. We we have the money we need. It's just in your pocket. I, uh, I read an article. And I was going to bring oh, it to gosh, the news, but I, those, I just uh, couldn't even take it. It was top, uh, it was 50 pastors and how much money, like they have in the bank, how much money they have. And, and the, ooh, what does it count as pastor though? All the way up it, to it, anybody? Evangelists and, and usually. But like the crooky right? ones even, or just. No, ones it's that, regulars like Charles Stanley. Um, there's something wrong with yeah. having money in the bank. They all there's had like, it, the, the lowest a, one was like a million dollars. And there's number 50. <laughs> I don't care how much money pastors have. And a million dollars these days isn't even that much. Ten million dollars, honestly, isn't that much. And they have they do a ton of work. But I and we talk about this all the time, so I don't want to go into it. I was just saying I read this article and I just couldn't even bring it. But now I guess I did. Um, it just it has the doesn't it have the possibility of being sinful. Isn't that what we're all supposed to stay away from? And like everybody says, just stay away if something is perceiving it even appears. Yep. Yeah, if there's even an appearance of evil. Stay away from it. So I don't understand. I mean, we've had lots of pastors on our podcast even, and everybody avoids talking about how much money they make, and I don't know why. Why would you avoid that and not uh, you, you're super sure on, you know, gay marriage or you're super sure on transgender bathroom stuff? You're not, you can't, yeah, you can't absolutely. say a word about your salary. That just seems, well, appearance see, that, of evil. That it might not be me, evil, but it's at least maybe yeah. the appearance. Right? It definitely is. And if you think about it, I think there's a lot of room for, for something, a tipping point here. And it's so weird how the, I think the market almost demands for some church to get large and do really good with that and be successful even. So, I, I mean, can you imagine if you started a church and it was founded on transparent finances totally. Yeah. And then it also got really big. Then they'd all be forced to adopt that instantly because it is what people want they're just not able to to get it to happen so if one church could get up there and set a precedent of transparency and success it would force wouldn't it force like the common voice to realize what way things could be yeah i think so yeah yeah yes yeah because everybody else would start to feel kind of like oh they're being open gosh and we're right like if it was like if if five of the six pastors that you looked up to disclosed their salary and one didn't then what right like why why is that? Right. Yo, what are you hiding? All right, Matt, kick music. I need some truth. In a world where no matter how hard you work on this business you started with podcasting and writing music and stuff, you'll never be as rich as the pastor sitting to your right. <laughs> My name's Toby Morales, the damn news. This first news story's a little sad. Oh, man. Well, at least we can go up from there, right? We can start low. I can handle starting low as long as you can. No, no, my back. God, no. The second story is even worse. So this, this is going to be, I'm just going to, today's news is just going to bum me out. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe in. not. Maybe this first Settle one, in. this first one, I think actually is, Joey, I don't know for sure, but I think this happened to you. Okay. Okay. Uh, this comes from the mirror. Baby develops sexual urges and grows pubic hair due to extremely rare condition. Did that happen to you? I definitely did not happen to me. <laughs> the, 
The boy named Akesh, <laughs> to protect his identity, suffers from precocious puberty that has also resulted in him growing body hair. An Indian toddler has developed sexual urges and pubic hair as a result of a rare condition, testosterone in the Delhi-born one-year-old dubbed Akesh, <laughs> to protect his identity, has rocketed to the level of a 25-year-old, and symptoms of his rare condition called precocious puberty have resulted in him growing facial and body hair as well as sexual urges. I can't take this. <laughs> You're going to take it. I can't take his it. His mom, this is, whose this name is on has the same also level not been past, revealed, said a case like, had started growing abnormally <laughs> from about six months old. She said, we thought he was just a big baby. But later, everyone started to point out that this growth couldn't be normal. His penis had grown to that of a man's size, <laughs> says Virgil Svensson. <laughs> Listen, this is on the same the level as Dr. Ba- <laughs> Bash Bashki Rastagi said usually this disorder is caused due to a brain or stomach tumor, but we didn't find anything such as such in the blood reports. The child was lucky in a way because the tumor usually increases complications that lead to cancer. Precocious puberty is a traumatic is traumatic for a child of his age and it makes them violent. His mo- his, <laughs> his muscle strength increased to a level that even his parents couldn't control him. His parents couldn't control him. If, if such children are not treated, they will become violent. The physical changes will not be suitable for their age. They will also stop growing after a few years and remain at about three or four feet tall. <laughs> Poor Acacia. Poor Acacia. Joey, what was it like growing up with this? Joey, did you have this? No, nah, I didn't experience. <laughs> I told you to stop with this story. I feel very uncomfortable. About what? This is Yo, not funny. I'm not. It's a disease. <laughs> it's a disease that it's almost impossible. This family is so far removed from me. It's not. I can't his be sad for it. Increased to a level that even his parents couldn't control oh him. Oh my gosh! So many things that this exposes, and that's what our program is really all about. If you boil it down, wow. it's talked about things that are hard to talk about. Yeah, I just that are normally not uncovered. I kept telling you, you to like stop the truth because it's, nobody it's, wants this to is talk on about the story same we level can't even as go the pastor mentally. being washed out during the baptism. You're saying a violent three to four foot. Tall baby with full hair. A toddler is worse than a way to kill somebody. What is wrong with you? Any thoughts, Joey? I my heart breaks for that family. It sounds like it. It sounds like you are busted it up about like this. It. Yeah, this is this is what's such a difficult part of this is like I re- <laughs> I really a am sad for the family and I can't I can't not think that it's funny. Well, I mean. Why are you sad for the family? Like he warned their, their you, it was totally a sad story. If my son Waylon was aggressive and sexual and had pu- a like a, a pubic hair, <laughs> that's sad. It's sad. <laughs> like I, I'm I, like, would he run really fast? Like, could he, was, he beat me in a race and tackle he was, me? He became stronger than his parents could. Contend. Could he tackle me? <laughs> yes, he would. And he would attack. That was the thing. He just that was the that was the bad that was the sad part. He's attacking. 
All right, I'm going to move on. What's from the that. solution? They gave him some hormone therapy and trying to treat it. Is his penis going to get smaller and the hair go away? No, it's growing daily. All right, this comes from the Huffington Post. <laughs> Divorced dad <laughs> tries paying child support with blank, and court is cool with it. And where? Food stamps. Divorced dad tries paying child support oh, good, with good guess, blank, and court is cool with it. I'm going to stick with food stamps. I was going to say drugs. But it can't be drugs. Food stamps is a really good guess, but it could. It's got to be something else, a little more offensive than food stamps. I'm thinking. Okay, Matt, you got. You don't have a guess. Gold teeth, pizza, pizza. A- an Italian court has acquitted a divorced father who offered to pay child support with pizza. Oh, you didn't say Italy. I would have totally said pizza. When Nicola Toso split from his wife Nicoletta, so it was Nicola and Nicoletta Zuin. In 2002, he agreed to pay child support for their daughter, who was then six years old. According to the Daily Telegraph, the local uh, newspaper reported that the amount was 300 euros, or about $335 per month. But when a crippling recession struck the southern European country in 2008, the 50-year-old professional pizza maker from Padua could no longer afford to hand over uh, the support in cold, hard cash. Instead, he offered to stump up the equivalent sum in the form of pies, calzones, and other meals made by his takeaway business. In lieu of money, the defendant offered his ex-wife the same amount of compensation in the form of takeaway pizzas from his workplace, an offer promptly rejected as beggar's change, said Judge Chara Batozzi in her ruling. According to the Independent, Toso went on to remarry and have three more children. He shuttered his business uh, in t- 2010, which is when Zuin filed a criminal complaint against him alleging non-payment for child support. It culminated in a criminal case, which was heard at a courthouse in Padua last week. Toso's defense attorney argued that despite enduring extremely tough times, he'd still fulfilled all his other custody obligations and even taken in his daughter in 2011 when her relationship with her mother broke down, after which Zuin was then supposed to pay 300 euros per month in uh, maintenance to Toso. Judge Potosi found there was no evidence of any crime being committed, and Toso was acquitted. What do you think? Wow. Do you think, uh, is that almost like... A bartering kind of thing? Like you can't pay in cash, but you can pay in goods yeah. and services kind of? Yeah, I'm not going to speak on that. That's not my country. Well, well <laughs> that's true, Joey. That's a good point. But, I mean, would you be upset if you knew a dad who was just working his tail off at Little Caesars and he just said, hey, I will always bring you pizza and breadsticks and mm. whatever. <laughs> like, I To mean, his wife that needs money? And the, they, sure, need, they need my, food. Sure. My, well, oh. I mean, I guess okay. I would tell the wife, I'd say, well, think about it. Like, if he's going to be bringing you food, I mean, you could probably tell him to bring some of those Greek salads with the feta cheese on there. Right. That takes care of some of the more vegetation right. that you need for your body. And then just say, just think think about you don't, you can probably budget $50 a month for your groceries or less because you've got your ex-husband bringing you nice Italian meals all the time. So. I think I'd be open for the conversation, or I would at least encourage the the ex-wife to be open to the idea. But, yeah, it would have to be comparable to what the court net normally mandates financially in a similar situation. Matt, you think it's fair? I mean, I think you got you know, you got to facilitate people trying to make good on stuff and to some degree. I'm into trying to come up with stuff and creative solutions and not, be, you know, in divorce. I think it's weird. So I don't know. I think it's, you got to try to work with people. I think I probably wouldn't really care. Um, 
It's not as good as the money. No. No, yeah. Uh, I guess the only thing I would say is it could be like you get sick of eating pizza. <laughs> yeah, you get sick of eating pizza. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think but about on not. the road. The analogy is on the road. We either get catering or buyout. You don't know. You get to this venue. It turns out they have catering. And guess what it is? Pizza. It's, you know, SpaghettiOs in a can with some garlic bread. And you go, crap. Because you still got charged the, the money and the show settlement versus if they have good... You know, if they give you, oh, well, they don't have any catering, but everybody gets a $10 bill. Everybody's usually way, way happier with that. Yeah. Now that's the damn news. Oh, that, that's it. Damn news, man. That was that last one. Boy, that got me. That was fun. Yeah. Which news story did you like better? Uh, I'd say what? The, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it, Joy. Yeah. What? Yeah, just say it, buddy. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? Tell me what your least favorite news story was, or favorite. It was your least favorite news story. Yeah. Well, I I think I was uh I was right. What you think you're? Which what one? I was just a little. (laughs) (laughs) I was sounds like a stoner. I was a little shocked about the first one. What was the first one about? I can't. I can't remember what the first one was either. It was about the kid. What was it? The, what was the that? Kid, Jog my memory. The kid with an abundance of testosterone. Uh, don't, Still don't, doesn't ring a bell. Don't ring a bell. <laughs> what? What was what, what was, was that it one about? about? Just trying to remember because I, I have to write the show notes. Yeah, in a second I, I have some other things like going on in my head right now. Like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Just, I got, I, I, seriously, I, was I have to about, turn in the notes for the episode, so I need to know what it was about. I was about. thinking about my kids and just how cute they are. I just had the giggles now. No, this this kid... He uh he's kind of a toddler and he <laughs> has uh <laughs> <laughs> what was it about? I have to turn the show. Well, later. he just kind of a toddler. Yeah, as a kid, we do a lot of shows about kids. Yeah. It's always this or that. Yeah, his uh, heart. I can't. Well, he's got a violent streak. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got some pubes uh, <laughs> prematurely. And I would imagine probably a larger penis, I think, was part of your story. But the main issue is that his. (laughs) Say it. Main issue is what, Joey? His parents are having a. What? Say it. Say it, Joey. His parents are having a what? You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.